Hello, and welcome to Stream Theory. My name is Jackson from the YouTube channel Skip Intro. And on uh, the other line, on the other coast, we have Thomas Flight of the YouTube channel Thomas Flight. How's I think, it going, Thomas? I think you're on the other coast because I stayed where I was and you moved. <laughs> so I'm on the original coast and you're on the other coast. Uh, you know, the original is a point of perspective. You know, how far back do you want to go? Where did the where did Pangea break apart? You know, maybe this was the first coast. I don't know. It, you, who's to say? It's all it's all relative anyway. You know, I bet what some is, some what geologist is, could tell us. What does coast even mean in the uh, you know See, grand now scheme of things? This this uh, we're going to be talking about Twin Peaks: The Return, <laughs> and this is a very important existential framing for everything uh, because I'm watching it for the first time. Thomas is watching it for the second time. Yes. Yeah. Um, I finally finished Twin Peaks, and then I, so that I could watch The Return, and then I immediately watched the movie, and I jumped into the 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 Return about halfway through. So we're going to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, Thomas is really excited to talk about it. I'm yeah, very excited about this. Uh, but before we get into it, uh, today w this is like the resurrection of of Stream Theory. Yes. Which was our podcast about uh, you know, the streaming wars. And we thought that it was only appropriate since yesterday, when we're recording this, we're recording this on Tuesday. Uh, yesterday, AT and T announced that they were going to be uh, uh, getting rid of their position in uh, Warner Media, and we're, we're going to be selling it, spinning it out into uh, Discovery. AT and T bought Warner Media, which was always going to be kind of a, a weird partnership because AT and T is a phone company. And yeah. uh, Warner Media is uh, not, and uh, apparently uh, there's oh, there's been like a bit of friction, from what I've heard from uh, I know a couple people who I know someone who writes for a show on HBO Max and Warner Brothers or Warner Media for people who don't know is basically HBO Max, HBO Max and all of the Warner Brothers movies and yeah, yeah anything that's on HBO Max. Uh, also, I think TNT and TBS. There's a few um, things that don't end up on the HBO Max streaming service, but most of all of that stuff is part of Warner Warner Media. If you're interested in sports, uh, TNT and and Time Warner has a deal with the NBA uh, and some some sports stuff, but um, it's not really our uh, our angle here. Um, <laughs> but the the uh, the the I guess. The, they kind of spent a lot of money. This was a giant merger, and then uh, they launched HBO Max back in uh, I don't know a couple months ago, and now they're basically like we're done, um, yeah. and they're gonna HBO Max is going to be joined with uh, Discovery, which is like Food Network, um, and much more like traditional like uh, home HGTV, uh, some stuff like that, and. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of a crazy pivot, and it looks like a bunch of the HBO Max, um, HBO like higher ups are going to be uh, planning their exit. I guess um, was something I heard. Like the CEO, um, who knows what this will mean? I guess one of the things that HBO Max didn't have, it's definitely been lagging behind the other, you know, Netflix and Disney Plus in terms of raw subscribers. I think. By itself, they said that they only have like 20 million subscribers, um, which sounds like a lot, but it's not anywhere compared to Netflix or Disney. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
especially not when you include Hulu in the Disney calculation since they own that. And I'm and sure they were hoping for a lot more with the move to release the Warner Brothers films, a lot of the Warner Brothers films, because they are probably taking a big financial hit in theoretically like doing that. Uh, probably not this year because of, right, the, yeah. you know, the pandemic. But yeah. after that, yeah. Um, although it's hard to say because the HBO Max numbers don't necessarily include the people who get HBO through their cable subscription. Right. Um, or I, you know, some people get it through their Hulu or whatever else. So the numbers on there are yeah, iffy. Yeah. But the point is they were kind of uh, they had like a little rough start. I would say HBO Max, and they've kind of started to develop this brand identity with the movies uh, coming out same day, and uh, obviously they always have the HBO catalog. But th- what they never really had was um, uh, what I what I've what I've heard called uh, nightlight TV, which is the idea that you just kind of turn it on. It's in the background. Maybe it's something you fall asleep to. Yeah. Um, you know. Netflix hasn't necessarily put out any like prestige TV shows that we are really excited about recently, but they have you know, plenty they have of the night office. Light. They got plenty of nightlight TV. Uh, <laughs> Disney does too. And the only thing HBO Max really had was Friends, which now uh, you know with this merger with Discovery, theoretically it should exponentially increase. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess the the main thing is we're seeing this consolidation of. Uh, more and more TV into less and less buckets. Uh, we've got Disney, we've got Amazon, we've got Netflix, and now HBO has merged with uh, a bunch of terrestrial media. Yep. And now we're also there's also rumors that uh, NBC Universal is maybe going to buy Viacom, um, or <coughs> or uh, something like that. So, all that to say. Uh, yeah, that's what that's that's all that to say. That's, that's is this is this really? I mean, this is just speculation, but like, do you think this is maybe pretty bad news for HBO in terms of content? Uh, kind of like the the brand of like this HBO puts out a show, it's good. That's the brand. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's like prestige TV. HBO has a prestige TV brand. Right. They're it's, like the it's already, makers, right? It's it's already kind of been happening where like I feel with HBO Max, now it's it's a platform. It's not a prestige TV brand necessarily. Um I think the point of buying an HBO is to acquire that brand and not necessarily to like d- dilute it. Um I don't know if they will, but I mean they're still making shows that are that people are excited about. Uh, it's I mean I mean like the best show on TV was Succession, and they've it's just yeah. hard to remember because yeah. it took like because the pandemic messed up its production schedule. But I mean they still are and right before that Succession's like the follow up to Game of Thrones, which was like obviously a cultural juggernaut, and Euphoria has been uh, pretty exciting, and I know people are are excited about that. So I don't know, I'm not. I'm not too concerned about that, but I know that there are definitely people who are. And I think the bigger story here is that, you know, what what looked like last year when we started Stream Theory uh, was like a bunch of different streaming services. It's only like a year later, yeah. and we can already yeah. see them like consolidating and kind of becoming back to the original TV model of like the big three. 
Breaking Big news, uh, Quibi originals are now available on Roku TV. So that's more consolidation. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is the merger of the two most irrelevant things I've ever heard. <laughs> Not that like Roku isn't irrelevant, but the idea that they're going to get into like original content is. It, yeah. Is well, that, and they're like, doing a, that sort of thing. by buying out the Quibi library. Like, How much do you think it costs to buy out the Quibi library? Oh, I don't know. I, I hope they got a deal because. Uh, it's like six million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. How, I don't, it was like they a billion like dollar a investment, right? Billion. Yeah. On yeah. like content or something. Jeez. Like that. I don't know. Oh, man. It's the. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So consolidation. We'll I the the consolidation thing. It's like I have two perspectives about it. One is that in one sense, it's kind of nice for consumers because you don't want to have to like have twelve streaming services if you want access to everything. You want maybe like three. You know, it, it, as if you're a normal person. Like if you're us, you have as many as you want because it's your job. But like. Most normal people probably only want to have like two, maybe three different apps that they like go to to watch TV. Um, so like in a sense, the consolidation helps with that, and that's kind of nice. But mm-hmm. it's bad in terms of like less, you know, more monopolistic power. Um, and sometimes this stuff can just be bad in terms of how these companies are run. Uh, probably a lot of people will get laid off. That's another thing that I was seeing. There will probably Always be a lot bad. of... Yeah. Anytime there's um, one of these big mergers, people get laid off. And that's a big... That's one of the big reasons they do it is because they can kind of identify what they call synergy or overlap and then fire a bunch of people and get, you know... Because the idea is like, oh, these people are doing the same job so we can get rid of, you know, half of them or whatever. So that's bad. Yeah. But uh, we'll see how it we'll see how it plays out. I but. think what people are more concerned about is the idea that um, you know this TV revolution um, that happened in the in the mid two thousands, late two thousands, the twenty tens of a bunch of these kind of mid mid budget like prestige shows. There were shows on FX. There were shows on AMC, HBO. Um, you know the the four major networks, of course, and like, so on and so on and so on. That is, that was kind of enabled by this, uh, this like open, open market, I guess, of so many different players. Like Breaking Bad and uh, Mad Men were famously like passed on by a bunch of different networks and then they make AMC and that's really cool. And maybe if there's more consolidation, you get less of that. Yeah. Um, which would be sad. Mm-hmm. But uh, also, there's so much TV. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I don't think anybody. I also. I don't think anybody really expects like expected like. Oh, there's gonna be twelve big streaming services. It's like it's just not gonna. No. Yeah. Some of them have to die. <laughs> Some Sorry, have to peacock. be sacrificed on the altar of capitalism. So peacock, we... you're next. Wait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, tell me about what uh, what's going on with Netflix. Uh, oh, so Netflix announced that they they like sent this letter out, this email. I'm not sure if it was like leaked or um, or what, but they they kind of put out feelers on this thing called N Plus, which is. Uh, 
you know you gotta put a plus on it if you want if you want to be in the streaming wars did you send me that somebody some i sent you that yeah journalist had a take where it was like plus is just like the worst name for anything oh i didn't send you that but that's true i saw somebody somebody saying that sorry to whoever that i mean it's not an original thought to think that it's the only thing worse than plus is max and uh it means nothing especially when everybody uses it it's like yeah, yeah, it just doesn't mean any. So anyway, so anyways, Netflix N plus, plus is this like N plus? Sorry, not Netflix it's, plus. Yeah, it's unclear exactly what it is, but the idea is basically that they want to create um, extra. Uh, I want to say extracurricular, but that's not what it is. It's like a be content outside of the show. So you know how you listen to like a podcast about a TV show, or uh, you want to see an. The AMC was really good at this in the in the peak of like Breaking Bad, um, Mad Men, Walking Dead. They'd have Talking Dead and yeah, uh, Talking Bad. I don't know what it was, but it was always Talking something. And they would have like these after shows where they would bring on the cast and they would talk about the show. And and sometimes it was pretty interesting. And um, it's kind of like the HBO featurettes that are at the end of a lot of episodes of shows on yeah. there. And they kind of want to create a platform that is more of a social media platform um, that would theoretically exist within the Netflix app um, because they're all about one place. And uh, yeah, so this is kind of big news, although I'm not sure how big it is. I remember when uh, when we first started this podcast, we talked about how the Netflix had released like this interactive timeline for The Witcher, which was... Uh, a thing and like yeah. it seems like that was kind of like a foray into this um basically they want to consolidate everything yeah. which which makes sense they have a lot of they already do a lot of supplementary content and some of it goes on to um netflix itself like you have behind the scenes stuff for the irishman or the queen's gambit or whatever there's stuff like that or like you know uh if you watch the circle there's like a follow-up uh like you know after party type thing that's like a separate episode for all those circle heads yeah for all those circle heads out there um but so they have stuff like this and then there's also content that they obviously create that goes on like youtube or something that's a part of their marketing um you know efforts or whatever but you can so it's like supplementary like in the past, you've to the made content. you've made some uh, some video essays for netflix i've made right? video essays for them but also stuff that was obviously like shot as part of the production or something or an interview right. or a featurette like a making a featurette or something but they just put it on youtube it's not actually on uh you know or they're just using it as promotional material on social media so it kind of makes sense to like consolidate that stuff into uh some something um, or like a place that would be easier to find. Um, but uh, yeah, N plus is definitely a terrible name. <laughs> and they uh, were getting really, uh, they were getting a lot of crap, but I think, I think like everything with Netflix, it's going to be pretty popular. If they if do they a lot off. of, they do a lot of experimentation too. So we'll see how, um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know if you've ever done this, but like if you go into your Netflix app, you can turn on a um, beta like feature setting. Um, oh, and they'll give you all the stuff. And that like they're... you'll get access basically to like app features that before they're public. And some of them have shown up. Like I've seen them. I'm like, oh, this is cool. 
it's it'll be like clips i think was something they were testing for a little yeah while. i remember you telling me about and then that. it just went away and they never released it so i guess they decided like oh people don't like it um i wonder if that so, way if uh like playing stuff at like 1.5 speed was that way was in the beta as it was well. probably i mean i'm sure they tested you know to some extent but that's but a public I, yeah, it that's seems a public like this... feature now right oh yeah it sounds like n plus is just like it's gonna happen and right, they're kind of right. just market testing it sounds like there's just been too much uh r&d in the back end yeah. uh for it not to happen but uh yeah it seems kind of weird but i feel like the more you think about it the less weird it is i don't know yeah, the 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 I mean, the branding or uh, like you said it, I think it may have been leaked. So this probably isn't like the official announcement. Uh, no, no, it's definitely what not it the is official has not been has not been communicated clearly yet. So we'll see. Uh, no, uh, so maybe it'll be like n times and multiplied. Yeah. How are you feeling about Netflix these days? Uh, I haven't spent much time on it to be <laughs> yeah, honest. Same. <laughs> I feel like we're back now. And you know what? It's a new it's a new dawn <laughs> for Stream Theory. Season a, two of Stream Theory. It, yeah, and uh, we're not next. We're not Netflix shills anymore. It like no, not I have not really watched anything on there that I've found that compelling for. Quite the last a while. thing I watched on Netflix was Lucifer, uh, for research purposes, because it was not enjoyable, yeah. um, and uh, yeah, I don't go there to like hang out anymore i'll i'll go check i'll be like oh what's on netflix is there anything new and i'll like look through and everything just looks like eh, not great yeah sometimes people will ask me if i'm watching this like netflix show and then they tell me what it is and it's kind of pulpy um yeah. or it doesn't seem like that interesting and that seems to be like what they're going for right now they, which i'm sure keeps the lights on yeah yeah i i think they 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 stepped into this really interesting niche that i don't think in a sense, they're kind of helping invent, uh, but like there will be, it used to be you could tell a prestige TV show and by prestige TV, like, like there was a certain quality of writing that you could kind of expect almost on the basis of the production values of the show. Mm -hmm. Like you could tell like, this is a show that had budget and there was like, People were paying extra attention to, like, the cinematography or whatever. Um, and you could look at it and kind of see, like, ooh, this is really well lit. This is really well shot. There was money spent on this. It's probably well written. It's one of these, like, there's a lot of effort going into it. And f more recently, I've noticed, like, I'll start watching something on it be like, oh, this looks really good. Like, it's very slick production values. Like, looks great. The camera movements. But the, the, the writing level is, like not prestige tv level it's like it's not bad but it's more like it's just a little pulpier soapier kind of yeah cliches type stuff and i'm not saying there i don't really have a problem with this i think i just think it's an interesting development yeah in prestige of, is like a loaded word because it implies yes. like yeah it's uh, greatness but it's more it's more uh it's more of a style than anything else like yeah. you were trying you were kind of getting at it uh um well a lot of it had to do with kind of budget and this this attempt at like something more cinematic put to television you know yeah uh, or something something grittier yeah more yeah. uh something that was like pushing the bounds of what we'd seen on tv before yeah, yeah. um it's like pioneered by a bunch of shows like uh like the sopranos or or yeah. breaking bad after that or 
and it was Mad and Men. it was al- almost exclusively those shows that got this like special treatment in terms of mm-hmm. um like the stylistic attention they uh, they had definitely as a shared visual language i would yes. say yeah yeah um but that's evolved and now you can have and i think some of it has to do with technology like you can shoot you know the the cameras that shoot really nice 4k are a lot cheaper and lights have gotten a lot cheaper in the last few years so like yeah i've i've noticed this in movies to some extent too where uh there's more stuff that looks great now but is like not good in terms yeah. of writing <laughs> but uh, then you see something that like really pops like visually and you're like yes. oh like yeah. um i'm watching underground railroad on yes. amazon yes oh th- i was just going to bring that up as an example and it's like this isn't even these things are this isn't even in the same ballpark yes like this yeah. is just so much prettier well i mean pretty is maybe not the word i want to use to describe underground railroad but um the images are, are striking yeah 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 very much um, so so yeah uh netflix is on the way out yeah um we're selling all our netflix stock we're selling our netflix stock uh and it's the most <laughs> expensive i just noticed it's like eight like it's what like 18 dollars now or something what's so, amazon at amazon's only like 13 or 12 or something like that i don't know uh, yeah, and you get I, the you get the um i don't you know tell how, how much stock i own <laughs> uh yeah that well amazon i mean they have they have one or two pieces i feel like amazon's whole thing is they have one or two pieces that are like good like here and there you have like the underground railroad is pretty good I feel like they're doing much more um, seizing the the cultural narrative than Netflix is. At like, the moment, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they had like I mean that I think they were more successful this year in terms of films. Like uh, the Sound of Metal did really well. Uh, and, True. Uh, Netflix, the My Octopus Teacher won something. I think. No, I've heard of that. that. <laughs> I've heard of it. So, <laughs> I've heard of it in the context that it might win an Oscar. Yes, That's the yeah. only context I've heard of it. But I'm thinking about how, um, just in general, the well, not with the Underground Railroad, but the week to week structure of Amazon has really been helping it and Disney Plus. Disney yeah. Plus obviously has been killing it with the, I mean, the Star Wars and the the MCU shows, but uh, in terms of popularity, but. Netflix, or Amazon's doing it with um, Invincible, which is really popular, the animated series. And before that, um, The Boys did the same thing, where it was building momentum week to week. So, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, really, the issue here is Netflix isn't doing any superhero stuff. So, Well, that's, that's not true, because they just launched that... Uh, they just did a new... They just put out a new... Uh, uh, wow, I'm just stumbling over my words. A new series about superheroes that's based off of like a some comic they bought like the a umbrella comic academy line. no oh uh, something because it's, i'm pretty sure that's a comic too it sure is jupiter's legacy jupiter's legacy which is a show okay hold on let me let me get my facts okay so they have yeah. superhero stuff but it's not the stuff that anybody's talking about this is actually kind of interesting because it's from uh uh da, 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 da. mark mark miller who's a comic book writer and i believe they like bought his like comic book franchise so they're producing that and then every time he creates something that they want to like film they just have like automatic rights to it so interesting um something like that it's 
<laughs> upon release, Jupiter's legacy was met with negative reception from television <laughs> critics. Uh, so it's not it's not doing great. And uh, I believe Mark Miller is like known <clears throat> for being, you know, not not, <laughs> not super great. Not great. <laughs> um, I, I, if you're a comic book fan, let me know if I'm wrong, but I haven't heard great things. Um, so yeah, we'll keep our eye on all of the streaming war stuff um, as we go forward. I don't know how much if we want to if this is going to be like the main focus of the show going forward, or if we're going to be more. Uh, I think freeform. For, uh, for, I mean, what I've been thinking, and I'm sure it'll develop as we go. For people who have listened to Stream Theory in the past but haven't heard like the conversations we've been doing on YouTube. Um, which, by the way, if you're listening to this in the feed, you can now watch the Stream Theory stuff on youtube and we'll put links at stream theory podcast.com don't look at me whatever <laughs> whatever our website is <laughs> maybe i'll put a thing at the beginning telling people but uh there will be links on the website to where you can see watch the youtube version um but it's i mean i think we'll do kind of what we did before but it's just a little less structured and a little more casual um, yeah that's kind which of I've been I'm enjoying watching. on YouTube. Yeah, you can been... watch all of our talks about the nature of television. And it lets movies. us, yes, <laughs> it lets us put things out a little bit more freely. I think because it doesn't take up so much time uh, editing and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, so yeah, I don't know why I said that so loudly. <laughs> um, do you want to start talking about Twin Peaks? Yes, let's. Uh, so. Twin Peaks is 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 uh, what we're really here to talk about. That's right. And we got a little sidetracked, but we're and here. Uh, I think we well let I think we can talk about it for a while, probably without spoiling anything, and then we'll we can probably drop a spoiler warning at some point. So if for some reason you haven't watched Twin Peaks and you want to listen to us talk about it, you you you'll be safe for a little while. Honestly, this, this it is might one be of those unspoilable. shows. Yeah, this is one of those shows that really like. It's not. It doesn't. If you're the plot you're, is pretty inconsequential. If you're coming into this with the mindset of like, oh boy, there's going to be some plot twists that I don't want spoiled, then you're probably approaching it like not the way you want to. <laughs> I mean, I'm not telling you how to watch TV. I'm just telling you right, that's yes. not how it was made. <laughs> I'm not telling you how to watch TV. There are just some attitudes that you can have when you're watching something that may increase or decrease your enjoyment of it so i was explaining to my friend who has not seen twin peaks i was telling him that i was watching the return and he was like i don't know what that's about and i was like well let me explain it to you and i explained it to him and he was like i had known a little bit about twin peaks beforehand and now i feel like i know less yes yeah <laughs> so specifically we're going to be talking about twin peaks the return or like the first eight episodes of the first peaks. yeah the first half i've seen the first half the first first half eight episodes twin peaks the return um so twin peaks was a weird show that was on <clears throat> excuse me twin peaks was a weird show that was on tv in what was it the 1992 to 1991 to 1992 and then the film came out in 93 i believe yeah um yeah. Uh, if I could just do, I, I can do this. Yeah, part. yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay, um, so Twin Peaks is a early '90s show from Mark Frost and David Lynch. Takes place in 1989. Uh, stars Kyle MacLachlan and a bunch of people who would kind of become famous later. Heather, Heather Graham is in it at one point. Um, actually, 
I take that back. Most people who are in the show are not, not super famous. <laughs> um, some of them are. I mean, they they've all kept working, but Kyle MacLachlan's the the main guy. Uh, it takes place. It's the it's a bunch of people investigating an FBI agent who comes to Twin Peaks, Washington, to investigate a the murder of uh, Laura Palmer, who is the the quintessential dead girl who uh, motivates the entire show, uh, and. The show ran for two seasons, about 30 episodes in all, uh, eight episode first season and then like 20 something episode second season. Uh, it's a really famous show in TV circles. Um, it, it it was like groundbreaking. Um, it was kind of like the first real cult TV show um, in terms of something, maybe Doctor Who was the first real cult show, but uh, it, it was this show that garnered this really devoted audience that uh even though it wasn't widely watched and people have been speculating about it ever since it was on and a lot of shows have been influenced by its uh you know it, it looks like nothing else that was on tv at the time a lot of shows have been influenced by it in a number of ways uh, some of the more famous ones are like the dream sequences in the sopranos are very twin peaks influenced um lost in general is very twin peaks influenced and um yeah so it's a very influential show it's a show that if you are like a real tv nerd like me you are familiar with even if you haven't seen it yet which was what had happened to me so i was like ah i gotta watch twin peaks and i watched first season and a half and then uh there's this part in the second season if you're familiar with the show where they kind of I don't know, just meander around for like eight episodes. It goes off the rails for a little bit. <laughs> um, because the because of, of network notes and stuff, um, they wanted to solve the, the crime, the central Laura Palmer murder. And David Lynch had never, and Mark Frost had never intended to solve this murder. But then the network was like, you got to solve it. So they solved it, and then there were like 10 more episodes to fill, and it's clear that they had no idea what they were doing at all. <laughs> and they kind of just... I couldn't even tell you what happens, what what those episodes yeah, yeah. are about. I don't remember any of it. Um, and then it like winds up again at the end of the season, and then it ends yeah. on this crazy cliffhanger, and then there's a prequel movie, and then there's radio silence for 25 years until Twin Peaks The Return comes back. It's like 18 or 19 episodes on Showtime, in 2017 yeah yeah is that a, that's a pretty that's, comprehensive that's, review that's yeah that that does it uh if anyone's <laughs> not aware some extra context uh is that david lynch is a like prior to doing twin peaks is a big filmmaker and make, makes a lot of very like kind of avant-garde strange films uh like a lot of his movies are much weirder than twin peaks are and uh, and so it was this interesting case. I'm not aware of other situations. Now there's a lot of crossover where like a director from, will come over from movies and do TV. It was it was more rare back then, and it was especially rare for someone who made stuff that was kind of on the fringes of even mainstream. It was like borderline art house stuff. And now he's coming in and doing like a network television show. I would say he was like the most <clears throat> famous, well-known, well-respected, like uh, the most, the most well-known avant-garde, like experimental he's the most filmmaker. like mainstream sort yeah. of, 
yeah, like not to housing. indicate that he's mainstream at all, but uh, right, the, right, yeah, he, he was he's most well known by mainstream, yeah, yeah, audiences. Um, so I think like for me, the 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 original run of the series is is entertaining and it's influential in the TV spheres for all within this realm of TV for all the reasons that uh, Jackson has already mentioned. But like, I was also very fascinated by like someone who obviously has tendencies towards a much stranger mode of like storytelling being constrained into working on like within this the confines of like a network television show and i think that was a lot of sort of the beauty of this show was you had this thing that mostly appeared to be like a a normal tv show but then there would be these moments where like it would just sort of bubble through and it would just kind of become insane in ways that that were unexpected um so that it's a very it's a I, I hate to say this because it's so cliche, but it's a vibe. Like, yes, the, <laughs> it's campy Pieces, too. It's like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, there's really not like any other way to put it. It's a, uh, it's much more about the experience of watching the show than yes. yeah anything anything else. Um, so that uh, yeah, so yeah, that I'll brings you us steer to the conversation. S- yeah. that brings us to the return, uh, which. So like the, that, all that context going into in 2017, the return comes onto the scene on Showtime, and it is much stranger, much stranger than the original run of the, of the show, <laughs> like like orders of magnitude stranger. I, like the, you can tell that there were some uh, there were some like strange things that David Lynch wanted to do in the in the original run but either he was confined by tv like the like you were saying the constraints of tv or he was being given notes by the network or who knows and uh when he signed up to do it on showtime i bet they were just like i bet one of his things was like i'm gonna do it my way and no other way there were there were battles so it was like because i was following it very intensely because i was a big my wife and I are were big fans of the original run and had like watched at least the first season. I don't think I've watched the second season twice, but we had watched the first season <laughs> twice. And uh nor, nor should you watch And the we did that twice. in like yeah, nobody should watch uh the second season multiple times. First um, half of the second season's great. Yeah, yeah. Just when it gets boring, just stop or go back to the beginning. Um, uh but uh that was in like we watched it I think in like 2014 or or 2015, and around that time, right after we finished it, there started to be rumors that there was going to be a third season, and I was like, oh, this is really cool. But then it was like about to happen, and then it wasn't happening. And uh, at one point, David Lynch had basically just put Showtime on ice and been like, oh, I'm not doing it. They're not giving me. He like publicly said like they're just not giving me the money I need to do it properly. And some time passed, and then it was like, oh, it's on again. Uh, so he apparently got the money that he wanted, which he obviously needed for, for whatever Look, he's doing in this he's show. He's clearly spending money on this show. <laughs> I remember when this show came out in 2017, and I was following television. Uh, like It was probably like the beginning of me being like a, like a critic, TV critic. And um, 
obviously the television world having been massively influenced by twin peaks is talking about it and is really into it and i'm like i haven't finished the original show and i've like tried and i i'm just like never going to get caught up in time so i never did but i remember people talking about how different this was i remember uh it being like number one on a bunch of tv uh critics lists of like end of the year like best shows of 2017 or maybe it was 2018 by the time it was on lists i don't know anyways it doesn't it's not that's not important but the important thing is like this made a huge splash critical splash everyone who watched it loved it as far as i can tell um and uh everyone who didn't love it just gave up and didn't (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's not a i wouldn't i want to say it's not an easy hang but I don't know. I really enjoy watching it. I enjoy I, watching it more than the original series. I like it a lot, especially I'm especially enjoying it on the second watch where I kind of know what to expect. Like I don't have expectations for where the plot's going or like certain things being resolved or you yeah. know, showing up. And um, that makes it a lot more enjoyable because <clears throat> you can just kind of like go along for the ride, uh, which you very much have to do. Um, yeah because if the first one was kind of like a network television show with the sort of campy weird elements to it this this the third season is like probably the the premiere work of like surrealist tv like i can't think of that anything yeah i can't think of that many examples much less anything that would be better than this but there it's like it's slow it's there's some like aspects of certain shows that are surreal like yeah. uh like i think about like atlanta or right. um which funnily enough uh donald glover pitched as twin peaks with rappers right. um <laughs> and or or like some sequences in like mr robot are kind of like this yeah um but n- nothing at this scale no yeah. there's nothing yeah. like this um so like okay so talk to me about like okay yeah, I want to know what you, I just I yeah I just want to know just what blanket, you like yeah yeah reaction. what do you what do you what do you think All right I wrote down some notes but up, um we can go up to episode 8 and then we can talk about episode 8 separately Yeah sure uh <laughs> episode 8 is if you guys don't know like the the weirdest episode up to up to that point for sure Maybe the weirdest well I don't want to say the weirdest episode of television ever made It, there's, it there's, certainly it, might be it's, it's certainly in the, in the conversation it's in competition <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what anyways um so I watched the first, I watched the original series, and one of the reasons I had trouble finishing it was because it got, it was, it's very slow and methodical in its pacing, and I, I got really tired when I would watch it. Um, and this is something I've talked about that I've, my friends have also told me is it's just like, it's a sleepy kind of show, um, yeah. the the original run, and there's a lot of like there's a lot of different stuff going on that doesn't, that's not all that, I don't want to say it's not interesting, but I didn't find it all that interesting. In, like, in the pilot, just, just to illustrate this in the pilot, there's a mo- a motif of like a shot where you just watch a traffic light, like change from like <laughs> green to red. And it like re- reoccurs, I think a couple times in the pilot, if I'm remembering correctly. So it's yeah. just like, that's the kind of thing that you're dealing with here is just like right uh but i think also also there's like a very weird uh cadence to the dialogue 
Um, And if you're not invested in what they're talking about or like those characters, it can be really off-putting kind of. Um, I'm, I'm thinking specifically there was like a season two like plot about like corporate espionage. I don't really know what it was about. Uh, Josie was involved and the people Josie worked for were involved. And, you know, I honestly couldn't tell you what, what was going on there. I literally watched scenes of that and I was like, I don't have any clue what is going on. And these people are talking really weird. Yeah. And, (laughs) (laughs) um, one of the things I love about the return is that it kind of cuts out all of the stuff that you're not that interested in. Um, and it's really just about the, the most surreal, the most interesting visually parts of the original. Um, there's still the aspects of like small townness, which I think was like an in, was a really important theme in the original, and uh, and exploring that, these characters that are like not they're unusual characters, weird characters that wouldn't normally crop up in a lot of television shows. Certainly um, not in like a, a, a like a a crime like yeah, a murder yeah. mystery. Like there's the woman with the log who speaks to people through yes. her log, and that is like something that might exist in like. A wacky sitcom but yeah. not in a not in a show that's about investigating the murder of a young a young girl yeah um but i think that i don't think that the the return is like faster paced i actually think that it might be slower paced and the episodes are even longer but it doesn't feel as exhausting to me because first of all every image is way more interesting it's just like visually way more rich uh the sound is way more rich just like everything about the production value is just way it's way more interesting to uh experience with your with your senses and uh i don't know everything is just like more interesting more vibrant the cast feels bigger the world feels bigger they're moving around different locations um and and it feels like while it's taking its time it feels more purposeful which is uh, thing that is feels weird for me to say because I'm always like you sh- you don't need to have an end point in mind right. when you make TV, but it feels less like me. It feels like it's meandering towards something rather than just meandering aimlessly. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's Lynch that's my is, basic. I, that's I my think, basic takeaway. I think one of the things that Lynch does really effectively is like uh, creating a mood. And I think he had more freedom in a sense with this to do the things that like to just be able to construct a mood and just sort of like let you like be in like in the first episode of the return, there's this whole sequence where up in a building in like this anonymous building somewhere in New York City, there's just this room with a bunch of I loved that scene. And and in in the room, there's a big glass box, and there's a hole that comes in through the side of the building into the glass box. And a, surrounding the glass box, there's a bunch of cameras. and Like there's dozens just, of cameras. Yeah, a whole bunch of cameras. And then there's like a couch with a lamp and like across from the glass box. And there's just a guy whose job it is to like sit there and watch this glass box and then occasionally like swap out a memory card or a battery on the cameras or whatever 
And then there's like a security guard and there's this girl who is bringing him coffee, but she can't come into the room. And a lot of time is spent just like setting up that scenario, like very like intentionally. And, uh, and it kind of just like builds into this suspense piece across the entire episode. And it's, it's awesome. It's like very well constructed. Um, it, it's something that I'm not sure I would have uh, appreciated in the original show because I'm not sure it would have looked as interesting or, right, or, yeah, yeah. or been as like carefully constructed as it was. Um, I think like, I think like little things like the higher quality of cameras that they're using is like, or maybe they shot Twin Peaks originally on film, but like they, once it they gets, shot at least the pilot on film, but I mean, yeah, once it gets to TV, it's, it's, it, it gets like down res yeah, or I yeah. don't know, whatever the quality of the footage is just like lower, um, than whatever I, whatever I'm watching. It looks just so much crisper and it like that kind of like. I don't know. It, it makes everything feel more intentional. It makes me like focus on all the little details. I'm like spending more time just like, and I think the fact that it's weirder and that there is no plot to follow or very little, very vague, vague yeah. sense of plot. Yeah. I think that that is even better for the, because there's nothing to distract you from. Yeah. All you can do is sit there in the scenes. Yeah. As opposed to the original show where you're also still trying to solve this murder or like trying to figure out what the plot is and like what's going on. Yeah. And uh, this was something I liked about the the movie as well, uh, Firewalk With Me, which came out in 93. But that is much like there's not a ton of plot going on. It's really just like you, you, you know what's going to happen. It's all just focusing on the mood, focusing on the the like palpable emotions yeah um, yeah there's so i wrote down some stuff there's a lot of stuff in this season <laughs> that is just like really unsettling yes uh, and so i just wrote down a few that i already talked about one just the whole setup of that box and that whole sequence in the first in the first episode which by the way this this plays into something else that I wanted to mention which is like the way the show is constructed across episodes I think is very unique not m not many shows take the kind of I don't know what you would call it but like for example that whole sequence involving the room and the box is a big part of episode 1 but then like in terms of plot it doesn't really have it doesn't even come up again until like episode or six yeah. or three or four, or like many episodes later. And so it's like a huge chunk of episode one is built around this like little detail that then just comes up, you know, uh, and I don't remember if it even comes up again later in the show, but it isn't mentioned again for episodes. And there's a lot of stuff like that where you'll just like drop in with a character and there's this little detail, there's this little scene of something happening. Like I think you see like, you know, uh, Doc getting his shovels in like episode one maybe or episode two. Mm -hmm. And then you don't see what he's doing with those shovels for another like two episodes. It's There's these little like tiny snippets that are spread across long periods of time um, in a way that yeah. I think really unique. I feel like I feel like those scenes though are 
especially like the, the the glass box scene is just so good at creating this sense of like foreboding and um you know not to spoil anything but when when something does happen in the box that that is something that sticks with you and is in the right. back of your mind as you yes. watch the next couple episodes so when you do come back to it you're like oh this again um as opposed to uh it's like that emotion that that triggers rather than any kind of uh oh this is the next part of that plot yeah, which is yeah. like a much more common thing in tv yeah like he's much more about like building these um he's building plot lines but they're much more about um they're much more based off of tone than and switching between tones and vibes than narratives yeah yeah and there's there's a bit there's p- narrative pieces there, but a lot of it you kind of have to piece together. Um, yeah, hit me so, with some and, of these. These weird yeah, yeah. Okay, moments. so the box. Uh, Laura Palmer's mom, I forget her name, watching lions like tear apart a caribou in her living. That was so weird on television. It's so. Ugh, it's 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 very unsettling. Um, hawks walking through the woods with like just a flashlight. Mm. Um, it's just that, a yeah. really I like there wasn't much about it. It's just the way the scene is constructed visually. It's just very like it's just part of that. It's like that mood is is um the there's that episode where they arrest the guy and then they find like a piece of flesh underneath the cooler in the back of his car. Mm-hmm. Um and it's just like something about the way like something about the way that's constructed and it's just this reveal of like this little piece of flesh it's just very like i don't know it makes you feel <laughs> not good yeah <laughs> um, everything for me everything that happens in uh in the black lodge just the way that it's constructed is so interesting like every yeah. time like all the way that the sound is built the way that they clearly have like blocked everything backwards and they're playing the film in reverse and you're getting like almost real like you're getting Mm -hmm. like a like it almost looks right but it's not quite right and they talk the same way uh that that's something that i find just endlessly fascinating um there there was there's one scene uh i think it's one of the first times you see the uh gotta like guy um where they're in the uh i I forget when it's happening, but they go to the, they go to the morgue where they have uh, Briggs before you find out it's Briggs. So I guess this is spoiler territory. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm not convinced. I don't know that it is yet. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's uh, unclear. But there's a body in the morgue, and a lady from the FBI goes to check it out, and she like walks out into the. She looks at the body. And then she like walks out into the hallway to, to go make take a, phone a phone call. call. Yeah. And while she's on the phone, you can just see over her shoulder. There's like far down the hallway. There's just like a figure, sort of like. I'm not even sure it's the got a light guy or if it is. It's just a different well, one yeah. Of it's one of the. Yeah. It's, it's maybe not him exactly, but it's one of the <laughs> under. It's one of his underlings. Uh, maybe it's it, it is it. Well, I I guess I can't say this for sure, but I'm pretty sure it's one of the same guys that like revives bad coop um mm. before in episode eight there's a yes, lot of yes, yes. like they have sort of the same and which are the same guys who are walking around in the gas station um, yep 
when everything's like spazzing out. Um, so okay, so I it's guess a we're weird show. To talk about it. It's a weird show. There's a lot of weird stuff. It, you drop in with characters that you know from, uh, from the first two seasons. Like you know, mm-hmm. you revisit some of them, and there are some kind of plot lines you vaguely pick back up on. So like Cooper. Uh, big spoiler territory now. Cooper at the end of uh, season two. Season two, he gets kind of lost into the lodge, um, or does he? I don't even remember how it ends exactly. Okay, so I it, I just I recently watched this, so I can just like yeah, quick. He um, uh, he goes into the black lodge to chase after uh, Wyndham Earl, who's a late addition character in season two. Um, because he's kidnapped Annie, who's played by Heather Graham, and he's, like, chasing him in there. And he goes in there, and Wyndham Earl dies, and maybe Annie dies. I'm not really sure on the details there. And Coop comes back out, and then you he, like, looks in the mirror after he gets out, and you see that it's uh, he's being possessed by by Bob. Bob, uh, yes. Who is the, the central villain? I... I He's not good. Yeah. He's definitely bad, but I don't know if he's, uh, yeah. And he, and that's how the show ends. <laughs> yeah. And so at the start of three, you kind of have the scenario where like there's a bad coop, presumably that's like the Bob infected coop, Cooper walking mm-hmm. around on Earth doing bad stuff, and then there's a Cooper who is stuck in the Black Lodge, um. And so there's kind of some story going on with that. There's you check back in at the sheriff's department, and uh, um, Hawks Hawk gets a uh, a message from the log lady. Uh, you know, so he's kind of they're kind of looking back into the Laura Palmer case for the first time in like ages. Uh, we check in with some people at the R and R. We see Bobby again. Uh, Bobby is a a cop now. A cop now. We also see um, who's the other guy. What's his name? Uh, we see him at the bar briefly. Oh, oh, um, uh, blah, blah, blah. he has his, his head shaved. The uh, motorcycle James, guy. James. 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 Yeah. We see James. We so you touch back in with these characters, but see but Shelley. That's, you see Shelley. Uh, you see Doc is a character, um, and there's a few more coming that you won't that we haven't seen yet but that's like kind of the that's like not the majority of the show those are kind of like little moments interspersed with like a new broader plot that kind of largely centers around the fbi and coop uh, and the coop Coop mystery how he's different now how he disappeared yeah what happened to him yeah good coop coming back and becoming a, a Dougie Jones. Dougie Jones. Yeah, Maybe. I don't, it's very... unclear like what's going on there. <laughs> um, I'm sure there will be more info. I don't know. I'm not sure. All of that is very weird. And then you get to episode uh, eight. Oh, one thing I do want to touch on before we go. Okay. Before we move on to episode eight is um, Michael Sarah shows up. Uh, <laughs> and in, in one of the episodes, he is the, the son of, uh, oh, what's her name? Uh, <laughs> this is like um, the worst podcast about about Twin Peaks. We can't remember anybody's name, but it's not super important. Uh, the receptionist at the at the police station and Andy, maybe Andy. Yes, Andy. It's unclear if it's ever Andy's kid, but he's definitely raised him. 
and Michael Sarah shows up and he's doing like a Marlon Brando like impression, I guess. And uh, he gives like this speech that is legitimately like three minutes long. Yeah. About the road and finding yourself on the road and um uh sheriff truman not the sheriff truman we know but his brother um played by i can't remember the actor's name uh uh ed ed he he recently died ed forrester i believe um yeah i I think you're correct yeah who's doing uh, excellent he just like takes the entire speech and is just like well Okay, and he just like walks away, and then I don't think we're ever gonna see Michael Sarah again. Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> the scene is. I don't. Like, I don't think you ever do. I there's. It's funny. It's funny. Like, I googled Michael Sarah Twin Peaks, and that's the only thing that came up. Yeah. So I don't know if there's. I don't think there's another. Certainly not one that resonated with people as much as that one. <laughs> it's been. It's been really fun to rewatch because, uh, I watched it when it originally ran. And that was four years ago. Uh, it was uh, six years ago, if you count 2020 as the appropriate number of years. Um, so, but like, it's amazing to me how much of this show I've just like, like, like when Michael Sarah pops up on screen, I had completely forgotten that he even like was in this show at all. And so I got the same amount of like surprise. Just He's like on him, a like, different show. I don't know if they like nowhere. <laughs> that was the the weirdest. I just laughed the entire time he was talking. Yeah, it's really it's 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 so it's a surreal it's a surreal show. It's kind of horrifying, but it's also funny. Like there's stuff like that that's it's like very funny. Very yeah. clearly just like meant to be comedic in a very like sort of campy like yeah. So it's when the a, brother a, of the guy who owns the lodge calls him and is like, I don't know where I am. Yes. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. high. Yeah. I'm high. Jerry is really into, uh, I'm really high. And <laughs> then just he like just hangs up and that's like the, the end of the scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great too. Yeah. yeah. There, there's, there's, uh, so we're having a great time. Around. We're having a fun time. And then episode yeah. eight rolls around and, uh, I don't know, less fun. <laughs> definitely a different vibe (laughs) episode Uh, if you had to describe the plot of episode eight i think technically what's happening is the birth of bob um sure but do you want to try to describe what that looks like i'll I'll try to describe (laughs) what happens in episode eight um uh i can't remember how it starts um but in my brain it starts with Bad Coop, uh, Bad Coop, and uh, another guy bust out of jail. Okay, so that is this episode. That's and, the beginning. And uh, ba- Bad Coop gets shot. Yeah. Uh, to to death. Uh, and then a bunch of then the guy who shot him r- drives away, and then a bunch of uh, spirits, sooty, so- they kind of strike me as like coal miners. Yeah. Uh, show up spirits, and they kind of like revive him and then we flash back to 1945 and an atomic bomb goes off and then some really trippy 2001 a space odyssey end of the credits (laughs) thing happens which i was pretty into um at least for a while 
Uh, and then we end up in this room, um, and there's the giant there and a character we've never seen before, and they're also watching the ex- explosion, yes. the trippiness. You fly, and- you literally, you fly into the mushroom cloud, and then you oh zoom, yeah, you're in the mushroom cloud for a while. You zoom down to what <laughs> seems like a molecular level, and there's just like chaos happening on screen for a long time like for a long time minutes it's just like very avant-garde experimental like just like you know flashing lights and but then there's this like alien creature that like pukes out what i believe this is a, a fun little tidbit from season one there's like the corn uh substance okay there's like a some kind of theme with like that corn stuff Somebody holds it okay. in their hands at some point. I think it's foggy, but if you say I just so. know there's a connection there. So they okay. got this substance. In that substance is Bob, and yes. then you go to this weird room that's in some other world. And yeah, they're watching like Bob being puked out by an alien. And there's more crazy stuff that happens in there. There's some like gold orbs. Um, some stuff gets like. Bob or something gets like morphed into an orb and then like sent to Earth um, in like a little little baby egg by the the giant who's now f- floating. Um, or, Which I or believe something. is the it's the same giant up in this room is the same is like a giant that like makes an appearance in, to Coop sometimes in his in dreams. Coop sometimes in his dreams in like twenty five years ago in the first original yeah. series. One of the things I love about the return is that the end of season two. Laura Palmer goes, I'll see you in 25 years. And then yes. it just happened. I guess it just happened to work out. I don't know if they were. It was It was like very. If they yeah. were planning that. I, I, the timing just worked David out Lynch, from, what yeah. I, from what I understand. Knowing how David Lynch works, I doubt it was planned. Um, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, there's then then there's uh, like more. You kind of see the creation of these like coal miner ghosts yeah yeah um there's like a gas station that gets like blown up kind of um and they're there and some stuff happens and there's then... a lot of like really like the he does he does a couple sequences in this show there's one a few episodes before this one where he'll take what looks like a scene that was shot where like just action will happen but then it's it's edited almost in this like record skipping type of effect yeah where like the characters will like move forward a little bit and then like it's very jarring and it's very and it's on there for a long time it's pretty like it's yeah it's uh yeah it's it's a lot (laughs) it's a lot it's a lot uh and and then he's back i think it's like the 50s the coal miners it jumps forward a little bit from yeah and then there's like it's like the same town or something, and there's a, a a young girl who's been on a date with like this young boy, and uh, they're like going back to their house, and there's a family, and they're driving, and then they run into the coal miners, and they're very freaked out, and then they f- they drive on. There's also then... the nastiest looking bug, frog, yes, beetle not quite. creature, not yet. I'm getting there. Well, they but it, I think it lands around the same. Do, or does it maybe oh, it comes oh, later? Yeah, I was it thinking... lands it lands from somewhere around the same time that the the coal miners start. Yeah. Um, it starts and it like comes out of this like egg thing. Yeah. I don't know. This is all in black and white also. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And 
it starts like crawling around and it's gross and it's kind of like a kind of looks like something out of like a Miyazaki movie to be honest um it does, it's got like it's got like frog Miyazaki legs. made like a horror yeah creature <laughs> and then we're at this like radio station and uh there's the the guy doing like the radio broadcast and then uh this one of the coal miner guys walks in and he's just looks like Abraham Lincoln and he's just saying got a light over and over again in yeah. the most gravelly voice I've ever heard over the radio and like meanwhile like cracking, oh yeah he's just killing people he's just like cracking people's heads he open kills the receptionist hand. he's like crack and just with his bare hands he's just like cracking it yeah um and he's putting everyone to sleep with this chant um uh and uh then then the, the the something about the horse and the white of the eyes and the, that's all i remember <laughs> he says it a uh, bunch of times though yeah he says it a bunch it was stuck in my head for like a day and now it's <laughs> and now i'm worried that it's like burrowed deep in uh, right, there and yeah, it's gonna yeah. like it's gonna Sometimes like 25 years from something. now you're gonna have a dream of, of <laughs> uh and then the bug thing crawls into um the young girl's mouth and uh yes i believe that's the end yeah, that's the end of the episode. It's that's that moment is one of the most disturbing things I ever I think I've ever witnessed on television. The bug into Just the mouth. Just the bug crawling into the girl's mouth. Yes. Yeah, it's uh it's something else. <laughs> so so like how did you how did you feel about this? Like how did I feel? I felt did you get something out of it or you're just like this is a weird like it's kind of weird that this was actually, you know, part of the show yes i don't know just i i don't know yes to both i felt um i definitely felt something um i'm not usually someone who can like sit through like long uh i mean i can sit i can do it but like i don't like sitting through like long surreal montages of uh ambient whatever um yes i feel you ever go to i don't know if you're this kind of person but i certainly am when i go to a museum and I'm there for like more than 45 minutes. I get really tired from like looking at all. It's like a thing. It's called museum <laughs> fatigue. There's a Wikipedia article. Look it up. Um, but I get the same way when I watch like um, really experimental art like we had to watch in film school. And I didn't feel that way when I was watching this. Yeah. Um, at least not until like it had been going on for a very long time right. at some point i was like okay this is a lot i i this is a little this is a lot it's the majority um, of the episode so it's like it's a legitimate like 40 minute sequence of just like pretty bizarre yeah. and i would say for the first 30 minutes i was like i'm really into this yeah and then yeah. The, the last like 15 minutes i was like i'm into this you start to get a little yeah. fatigued uh so so there was that but i definitely there's definitely like a bit of a, i don't know what i'm watching but it was definitely I don't know it definitely hit me i definitely felt something um i i don't know what happened uh but it feels it makes i would say that it's weird because i think bob as a character is there's something about him that's not that doesn't seem like it should be that scary um like if you watch the original series like nothing about that show is like horror horror to me right um but every once in a while he would show up and he like he's at the foot of the bed and that like that spooked me the first time I saw it. Yeah. Or um any of the stuff from uh Walk with Fire. Fire Walk with Me. Not Walk with Fire Walk with Me, he's terrifying in. And this 
captured the same like terror dread that um that those moments would hit me with um even though he's like kind of a he seems like he should be like this cartoonish villain where he's like and he's like walking around like this and he's in all denim he's got long hair and he kind of seems like a caricature but sometimes they just like tap into this like deeper terror level that like (laughs) elevates him (laughs) and i felt like this episode was all that feeling right um yeah yeah. which i think is like incredible to to be able to accomplish that uh like to tap into something so um that i thought was like a just a me thing just a uniquely how i felt about him but for them to just like really identify that tone that emotion and then play it out in a totally different setting with totally new characters and no dialogue and like you see Bob's face once, but the whole thing is very, is I feel like it's the Bob episode. Yeah. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. I yeah. mean, maybe it doesn't make sense. Maybe that's the point. No, I mean, <clears throat> I think that's a very, I mean, that's your experience of it, and that's a very valid. And it is about it is about Bob's origin. I think it, like the plot. I'm skeptical of people putting too much of a like mythology on it mythology on it but there is some discernible plot like and reasoning behind some of that stuff and i haven't like done all the research to look into like what it all means but like uh within the mythos of the show like bob is essentially unleashed during like something about nuclear testing you know creates some kind of rift that unleashes, Which is, yeah. unleashes Bob, and so he's basically like an evil energy or spirit that comes in from some rift in the universe or something. Um, so it or is just about like this, that. This like step in human evolution that we've taken this like right dark turn yes, where we've created yeah. this bomb that is so. Uh, it, it, you see this in like some media where it's like almost like the atomic bomb is like this unleashing of some primordial evil. Um, like that's what Godzilla is kind of, and, and some other stuff. And, and Bob is very much in that vein, but he, there's something about him that's like more personal. Um, I don't know. I've never been the kind of person who's been like freaked out by, uh, like slasher movies. Like some Mm -hmm. people get really freaked. Like there's like the two kinds of horror movies. There's the, the slasher movie and like the more like supernatural occult stuff or like ghost stuff. And a lot of people think that the supernatural stuff is not as scary because it's easier to be like, that's not real. And they're more freaked out by like the home invader um, because that's real to them. And I've always been in the other camp where I think that the stuff that I cannot understand is just way scarier. And Bob feels like he should be more of that home invader, but he's like a mix of the two. Yes. And uh, I don't know. They're able to touch into both and it's very, it's very spooky. Yeah. I really like the way the the third season kind of takes like the second se- the the first two seasons allude they take this this kind of typical cop show narrative of like oh it's a murder mystery and they sprinkle in this sort of like esoteric like you know metaphysical storyline in there where it's mm-hmm. like oh there's evil stuff is happening and then it it at first it's just kind of 
in there as a suggestion and then it becomes more explicit when you find out that like bob in leland palmer is what killed laura palmer and so right. technically this like thing did it but then it it takes that and expands it out in season three to this like cause you know this like world proportion in a way that's that's like doesn't doesn't lose focus of sort of the immediacy mm-hmm. you know and the, the individual characters but makes it feel more um all-encompassing yeah it doesn't do that weird thing where it's like sometimes when some when a, a conflict becomes like global or like super significant you're like it feels like oh it's convenient that this small town just happened to be the place where, you know, the the, the, yeah. the world was being saved or lost or whatever. It's like the it's like in Buffy how there's like, I don't know if you've ever watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but she lives in Sunnydale and Sunnydale is quote unquote the Hellmouth, which is the gate right, between right. yes hell and earth. Yeah. So it's like all this crazy stuff happens here, but that's because it's the Hellmouth and that's yeah. what life's like living on the Hellmouth, and. Somehow this it, doesn't feel like that. No. It doesn't feel convenient. It it feels more like it feels more like it's it's symbolic of the like the extraordinary struggle against e- like the ex- the the extent of the evil that is being struggled against in this small town uh, uh, in a in a way. Um, One thing that I oh sorry no that's all (laughs) oh uh one thing so i think what i i think you touched on something that's really interesting about the original series is very much it's kind of about like evil lurking beneath the surface of these rural small towns um that might seem like quaint and nice or whatever um and i think you can read what happens to leland as kind of like the dark underbelly of uh of small town america and I think something, and that definitely is something that seems to be continuing in this, in the third season. Um, we're going all over the place, but we're still very much in small towns, right? We're in South Dakota, or we're in Vegas, but it feels like suburban Vegas or something. Yeah, like it's like the, the part of Vegas that in, people actually live in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, or, uh, I don't know, there's, I feel like there are other places too that I'm forgetting. But we're kind of all over the place in these small places, and that's something I think he's still interested in exploring, but it's more, it almost feels like he's saying that it's more like human nature. It's more primordial. It has nothing to do with maybe these small towns are, are a place that we can see it for some reason or another, and maybe we'll get into that. Right. But it's almost like it it exists everywhere, and yeah. it has been unleashed, and... Um, and there's allusions yeah. to a connection between like that evil and larger like like there's just like s- several I forget how it pans out uh but like in the first 8 episodes there's just several scenes of like this guy in a business a, an office in a skyscraper somewhere yeah with zero context the you guy have no who's, idea. he's like a big David Lynch guy right yeah, he's, uh, he's in, in a bunch he, of David Lynch movies. He's been in a, yeah, um, and you have like name. no idea what it has to do with anything. But well, uh, they, he does pull out some kind of uh, folder, right? And the folder he gives to someone, and you know that he's into some bad 
Juju. Yes, yes. And then they give that folder to uh, a, a dwarf, of like a, a oh, little yes. person. And then he, and he goes, like stabs the person to death. He, he kills like everybody. He's going and he's try. He almost tries to kill Dougie. Um, After he's killed a bunch of other people. Yes. Um. So there is some connection there. Right. Right. right I don't know yeah. what it is yet, but I don't. Uh. It, they certainly. He certainly takes his time connecting things. Yes. Connecting the dots. <laughs> But yeah. I feel like I feel like in a in a a lesser show or something that was, I don't want to say lesser show. I, I feel like so often these like stuff that gets played out, where they connect the dots over such long stretches of time, would be easy to forget. But I feel like it all comes back to that same like each one of these plot lines, each one of these narratives is less driven by uh, a singular story that you have to follow all the details of, and more of a, it almost like changes gears in the emotion that you're feeling yeah, so it's like yeah. okay when we go back to this storyline we're gonna make you feel what that story was again and you're gonna experience whatever happens but yeah. it's more about the continuation of that tone and then we switch to this other tone and you're feeling that tone um and i wonder if once we get further along if we're gonna see start to see these these kind of mix um i mean you know but uh that's that kind of feels like the the way that would make all these stories connect in the end but i don't know it's uh, it continues to be a wild ride. I think episode eight <laughs> is kind of the peak, but it it uh, in terms of like visually being jarring and sort of experimental, but it was as a, a narrative, it, it it continues to be a wild ride. So I, I I'm we'll talk about it. I think again once once you've finished, mm-hmm. uh, I would love that, and I I'll, I'm gonna look forward to doing that. It's it's a, a I think I think part of what I loved so much when I was watching it the first time was at a certain point, it was like after I watched episode eight, I had this realization of like, oh, this might be what I'm feeling now might be a little bit of what people were feeling when they watched the original run of the show. Um, And because it's like he was pushing, Mark Frost and David Lynch were pushing the boundaries of what like you could feasibly do on a television show back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and for people who were watching it at, at that time, they wouldn't have had the context. Like you were just watching a show that's on television and it would have been really bizarre to suddenly have this like dream sequences where giants are showing up and like all this crazy stuff is happening. You would have been like, this is very weird. Um, but, but like we've seen I, so many of its descendants now. We've seen so many of its descendants that you and I watching it for the first time in like 2015 or or 2020 or whatever. It's like, uh, it's like, oh, this is cool, this is weird, this is whatever. But we can't experience what it would have been like to see that show in the context of nothing like this has been right. made before. And I feel like watching Twin Peaks: The Return very much had this feeling of like. This has not been done, like, right. at least in a mainstream way, this has not been done on television, like, and this is pushing the boundaries of what you can conceivably do with the medium in terms of, like, stretching at the edges of what people will tolerate. Um, and I, that's just, I, I don't know. I think yeah. as TV people, I'm just, I'm as someone who's into the medium, I'm interested in that on its own. But it it ends up also being it is kind show. of like a like a emotional time capsule. Like, I mean, we're, we're doing a little bit of like uh, extrapolating here. Like, yeah, we think yeah. this is what they felt like. But yeah. I mean, it is hard to be like it's hard to go from like 
like I grew up, one of the shows that really got me into TV was Lost. And to go in from like some of the craziness of Lost, which is obviously influenced incredibly by Twin Peaks, but is also in 2004, 2006, 8, 10. And uh, then to go back to Twin Peaks and it's like, oh, this is kind of cute. Yeah. And then Twin Peaks The Return is like, oh, no, no, no. This is, uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we can still do it. It's just, uh, now it's almost like, it's almost like time has caught up or, or audiences or technology or culture or whatever has caught up to where David Lynch wanted to be. Right. Um, yeah. when he made it the first time. Yeah. Um, oddly, or maybe he's I, evolved. I don't know. I don't think The Return has been influential, um, in the way that, the original run was um but maybe it's too soon to tell i mean it only came out in 20, 2017 so four years ago so it, it might still be like too early i to will say. say that a lot of people have a lot of creators that i've read in interviews with or whatever have talked very glowingly about it yeah yeah i know sam Esmail thinks that it's like the greatest thing ever um uh so and, maybe it, and he's I mean, made they, and he's made a bunch of he started to make like more shows after that and I know he's got his Battlestar Galactica reboot coming up, yeah. but um, who knows? Maybe maybe we'll see it more. I don't know if anyone can do exactly what he's doing. No, um, probably not. In a way, it, in a way, it is less accessible than the original run because the original run did have like more of a structure. Like I don't There's want to say a lot this of people a who want a plot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> I think we talked about this with the with the Sopranos and the Wire uh, a while back. It's easier to do a B plus version of The Sopranos than a B plus version of The Wire. Like right. you can you can kind of because it's it's more accessible. Like yeah, oh yeah. I get it an antihero and there's like this plot. Whereas if you if you wanted to like half ass The Wire you can't do it. It's not it doesn't work at all. It falls apart because yeah because you have to do so many different things. And in a similar way I feel like it would be a lot easier to do. Um, a similar show to the original Twin Peaks, but I feel like if you tried to do Twin Peaks Return and fell short, it would really fall short. Yeah, yeah. So, um, under the Underground Railroad is kind of pushing, pushing. I'm not. I don't know that it's necessarily influenced at all by the show, but similarly, like, kind of pushing at the edges of, at least introducing some of these more surrealistic, like. Yeah. elements in storytelling that I think uh, there's a lot of episodes of that show that at least that I've seen so far that are, are the focus is much more about mood and sort of this like evocative like yeah. feeling or sense um, I, I don't and, want to um, I'm, I'm like hesitant I've only seen two and I'm hesitant to compare it to a show that is um, on its face but I'm hesitant to make this comparison um but it does kind of remind me of a higher quality, uh, a more surreal version of Lovecraft Country in that it is using these kinds of um, surrealist ideas and horror themes to explore something that was very real and historical yeah. and apply it to historical fiction. Um, I don't want to make that comparison like, I don't know, just because... I haven't seen, I haven't seen Lovecraft lovecraft country so just because I, they're both but, like yeah but i i don't I, know i can see the connection um where there could i don't want to reduce them to to that comparison right, is what right, i should right, say right. um yeah. but i do see some similarities and i feel like the underground railroad is doing it better 
Um, I'm really liking the Underground Railroad, so maybe we can that first episode that was a uh, tough watch. The first episode <laughs> is a doozy, punishing. Uh, is the word watched, I would use. I've watched up to um, episode six, and okay, uh, none none of them are quite as grueling as watching. The second one was I enjoyed a lot more. Yeah, um, but it it definitely like it definitely is dark, but not as punishing. And then the episode. I think it's like five uh, called Tennessee Exodus is not as graphic as the first episode, but the whole episode is just like this like long, like you just pull like down a violin. Like, oh, geez. it's like that the, I can, the I, mood, his yeah. sound design is like, I think I've never watched a show with sound design. Like this show has like the way, he'll just like envelop you in this like really just horrifying like yeah it just really the show really gets its fingers into you and in, in a in a all right i will really i will keep way. watching but, yeah maybe we maybe we can talk keep, about that yeah maybe time. maybe next time <laughs> in i i guess are you um are you gonna try to uh Try to propaganda figure, figure out what what Twin Peaks okay, is so saying the reason, about the police. <laughs> one of the reasons I got back into if you follow my channel, you know that I've been doing this series on propaganda, which is about the police portrayal on TV and how it shapes our understanding of who the police are and what they should be. Which is That's definitely my, worth watching. It's my elevator pitch. Yeah. Um, and one of the reasons I got back into Twin Peaks after having stalled out on season two several years ago. Um, you know, in the part that sucks, um, <laughs> uh, was uh, that I wanted to revisit it for this because, you know, he is a, my next episode is about spooky cops and uh, there is perhaps no spookier a cop than Agent Dale Cooper. Yeah. Um, I think that there is stuff to say about the first two seasons. I don't think that there is anything to be, not gleaned, uh, but it's just so it's so dreamlike it is so much of a rorschach test of of yeah symbols yeah. and stuff that i and i haven't really seen any police work really in <laughs> season two there's been there's, a little bit there's but, maybe uh, you could maybe have some like there's maybe some commentary about like the fbi i will uh, definitely touch on it so um but it is not going to be like a full episode yeah, uh, yeah i'm not sure if there is a whole lot to be said yeah. Uh I'm, I think, I'm almost it's almost like one of those things that you you don't want to analyze it too much because that's not what it's for. No. Um it's for yeah. pure vibe, tone, it's, emotion, yeah, whatever you want to say. It's it's to experience and feel. And you kind of take away from it what you do and like there's not much I mean there's we we talked about this a little bit at the beginning at, uh before we were recording um, there's people who have like theories about what's happening in Twin Peaks and season three and kind of like a Westworld, like put the pieces together sort of way. And it's like there, there's definitely some clues and some plot that you can perhaps assemble and like discover things. And, and there's a, there's like a novel uh, that Mark Frost wrote that has additional backstory and other stuff like that. So you can kind of like, but to create like a unified theory of Twin Peaks is to a little bit miss the point just because of how like Strange David Lynch famously, <laughs> if you believe him about the way that he works, 
he's not really thinking about a lot of those things as he makes stuff. Um, so it's not any, clear any how much he's thinking about anything. Any yeah, any meaning that's there to be garnered is in interpretation. Like it's right. not he's not setting out to create a commentary on anything. He's just coming. I do up think with that ideas. that's valuable. I do think it's valuable to think through. I think there or there is some value to be gained from oh even though this was an instinctual creation right. he didn't think about it this is a this is a manifestation of his subconscious yeah. i think there is definitely something to be learned from hey what is in his subconscious about yeah. society but i'm not sure how accessible it is to us other than this kind of uh almost like primal connection yeah, yeah. um that uh, you know once i start writing it we'll see we'll see <laughs> i did uh, i um it's been so long since i watched the first two seasons so maybe my comparisons are off but i feel like there's an increased skepticism of like uh the fbi and maybe we can maybe, we'll, maybe this is better to talk about after we um once we finish the show but so so that's there's a cliffhanger maybe we'll talk about Ooh. how the fbi is portrayed um or whatever but like my my sense is that the return is a bit more skeptical of hmm. just kind of everything maybe <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe david lynch just got older but we we'll, we'll talk more about that all right uh, next time we should <laughs> we've been recording for what almost two hours now now yeah i think so, so. <laughs> we'll let you guys get back to your lives and uh yeah yeah sounds good <laughs> uh where can people find you on twitter or the internet people can find me on youtube at skip intro and on twitter at skip intro yt and i'm YouTube. thomas flight on youtube and twitter and uh if you want to listen if you want to subscribe to uh the rss or the podcast version of this the links are in the description and if you're listening to this you can go to streamtheorypodcast.com and see the youtube version and you can subscribe to the youtube channel that this is on yes as well yeah it's uh, uh, thomas flight b-sides yeah i don't know what the url for that is <laughs> <laughs> well if you're listening if you're watching it on youtube if you're watching it you on know. youtube subscribe to that yeah 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 <laughs> cool all right awesome <laughs> bye